I got issues, and so do you, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, thanks again for tuning in today. So glad you are part of our online experience. If you're new, we want to welcome you. Uh, we're so thankful that you're here, and uh, we're excited about what God is doing in and through you in this season, and we're glad that you're a part of our experience today. Well, we're in this series, I Got Issues, and today I've entitled my message, uh, Pandemic. All right, we all know we're living uh, in a once in, uh, they're saying, a hundred years pandemic. And when I was looking at that word pandemic, you can't spell pandemic without the word panic. And I think a lot of us right now, when we think about the issues we have, panic is probably one of them, at least at some point or another. And maybe there's good days or bad days. You watch the news and you're good. Then you watch the news and it's a different scenario and it's bad. And and then panic can set in. And when you actually look up the definition of panic, it's a sudden uncontrollable fear or anxiety that that often causes uncontrolled thinking or irrational behavior. And we've all had issues right now with fear and anxiety and uh, irrational thoughts and things that are happening because this is an unprecedented time. No one has navigated something like this before. But thankfully today we're, we're finding solutions in God's word for our issues and there is definitely a solution for panic and the opposite of panic that God offers us through his word and through the comfort and a relationship with our father through the Holy Spirit is peace. You see, last week we said when life is uncertain, God is not. And when uncertainty comes or, or panic comes into, into our, our world, our situation, our lives, all of us are searching for what God offers and that's peace. We all want it, but how do we get it? And today I want to tell you, and, and throughout the whole message, to think about this. You have to pray until the peace comes. As we said last week, uncertainty is God's favorite environment. It's when he often gets the most accomplished in our lives. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, it wasn't a couple weeks ago, I don't know why I said that, a few weeks ago, uh, when you could still fly on airplanes, well I guess you can still fly if you're brave enough to do it, uh, the beginning of March I should say, uh, Jess and I were on a trip in Dallas and had uh, a work conference there and we were flying back and it was windy, and the pilot came on before we took off while we were still at the gate and said, hey, today, uh, we just want you to know, we, we got some choppy air that we're going to you know, kind of have to fly through until we get up to a, our cruising altitude. So, so just be ready and stay buckled up and, and uh, be in there. And so, yeah, I've been on planes before. Turbulence is always a part of kind of the takeoff and landing for the most part. And so uh, we take off, and, and we're probably two or three minutes into our ascent, and uh, and it, it, the turbulence starts shaking the plane. And I don't fly too often with my wife, but she was here. And when the first turbulent, you know, situation came into the plane, like she looked at me like, what is that? You know? And I was like, oh, it's all good. But then it continued to escalate. It got stronger and stronger to where the entire plane was shaking. And there was moments where you would rise out of your seat and back into your seat. And every time that would happen, you would hear the whole plane gasp at the same time. (gasps) You know, it was a scary situation. Listen, 
When you're in a plane, I don't care how often you've traveled and how you, you, you're used to those things you are, but listen, when it happens, when you rise out of your seat, the turbulent is that hard, you, the, the uncertainty creeps in. And I'll tell you this, in that moment, when the pilot comes on, he has my undivided attention. What is he saying? What is going on? And he came on and said, listen, it's going to be rough, hold tight, but we're going you know, to navigate through this. And, and that's what's happened in our world right now, right? We, were, we thought we were just going to keep cruising the way we always did, and all of a sudden, turbulence has literally shook the entire world. It's a global pandemic. It's a global panic that every one of us are feeling. And when when this happens, God gets our attention. And it's in this uncertainty as it creates fear and insecurity that hopefully we turn to God. I was listening for the pilot and I hope today that in this uncertain situation, in these turbulent situations that we're in, that you're not just going to panic, but you're going to look to the pilot, you're going to look to the source of your peace, that you'll pray until the peace comes. You see, that's what uncertainty does. It gets the individual's undivided attention. And when it gets, uh, it gets a nation's undivided uh, attention, you know, when that happens, people have asked me, you know, hey, what's been, what's happened in the church? What happens in the church world when when something like this happens, and without stating the obvious, we're not meeting in person, but, but I would say this, a lot of good things are happening, right? God has people's attention. People are turning back to God. People are repenting of their sins. People's values have been reshuffled. What's most important is shooting to the top of our priority list, and we feel our need and our dependence for a God who's in control and a God that can offer peace in the middle of panic. We need God. We need each other. And I would say, that's what I'm seeing in the church. That's what the uncertainty in our environment is creating. And I would venture to say that many of you probably returned to God or found God at a very uncertain time of your life. Something happened that caused you to draw close. Something happened, a health situation. You lost a loved one, a job situation, and you leaned in to search for God. You, you leaned in to try to find him because you knew, you knew that he was the stability and in the, in the middle of insecurity, that he was the security that you were looking for. Most of us uh, and have seen, and if you, you read the scriptures, you understand that, that most of what we are given in the scriptures was written in environments of uncertainty and, and by people who faced extraordinary challenges. You know, the Bible isn't filled with just feel-good messages for a world that we don't find ourselves living in today. And we find that God speaks directly into these uncertain times that we're living in today. And we can even see his hand in the midst of uncertainty throughout scripture. And it gives us the assurance that, that his hand and he's involved in what is happening today. In fact, why don't you just think a minute about your favorite Bible story or maybe your favorite Bible character, right? And in that story, I'm sure sure there was quite a bit of uncertainty. I'm sure there was quite a bit of stuff that was going on. You see, the Bible's not just about rich people having fun and going on vacation, right? That's not what we find in scripture. It's full of stories of people facing uncertainty. And in that uncertainty, they discover that not only is God present and not absent, he is there in the midst of that, but that he's working, 
and that he's accomplishing his purpose and that he's, he's the great orchestrator of our lives. He's behind the scenes moving the pieces around to accomplish his ultimate goal and purpose in us and in this world. It's who God is. It's what he does. So what should we do? When uncertain times come, when, when the plane gets turbulent and, and it starts shaking and it's not smooth sailing and, and the, it's not smooth skies, it's, it's, it's difficult, it's challenging, and, and, the, and the panic can set in, what do we do when we have that sudden turbulent situation like we're facing today? What do we do? Today we're going to hear from an expert, not me, <laughs> the Apostle Paul, uh, and if you are here and you're, and you're listening today and you're tuning in and you're not a Christian, uh, this may sound unrealistic, what Paul says today, maybe even a little bit crazy, but I'm glad you tuned in to hear it because in this uncertainty, and, and there's going to be uncertainty, there's going to be turbulence in your life, and when it happens, I hope that you'll remember this message and that it won't drive you into self-destructive behaviors, but you'll see that there's an alternative to panic that there is peace available. I want to give you some context. We're going to be reading out of Philippians 4, and this context is extremely important. Paul is writing a letter to Christians in Philippi. This is the first church in Europe. This letter is written uh, from Rome. Paul had been arrested in Jerusalem. He claimed Roman citizenship, which uh, forced them in Jerusalem to send him to Rome for trial. Uh, At the time, Nero, who was a ruthless leader, was the emperor. And Paul's on his way there. He's in a ship. It gets caught in a storm. It gets swept out to sea for two weeks. They're out at sea. The ship is being battered. It breaks up. It wrecks on the island of Malta, uh, where then Paul spends three months on this island. and, And crazy stuff is happening there. And God assures Paul why he's there, that he will stand before Nero, that he will go there. And so eventually Paul does arrive in Rome. He lives under house arrest for at least two years, probably longer. And there he drew crowds that came out. They surrounded the house to hear him teach. People are getting saved. And then after a few years of Paul being uh, under house arrest, they come and get Paul and they lead Paul several miles outside of out of Rome, outside of the town, which was custom for a high-profile prisoner such as Paul. And there he was beheaded around AD 61 through 66, somewhere in that time frame. The Apostle Paul, doing the will of God, surviving storms, going through everything, is eventually there beheaded. And if we go back to what he's writing to this church in Philippi while he's under house arrest, while he's in prison, starting in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. This word rejoice means to be in a state of happiness, to be in a state of well-being, to always be that way. And when you hear Paul use a word like always, you go, what is he talking about? How can you rejoice always? How can you rejoice when you lose your job? How can you rejoice when your retirement plummets? How can you rejoice when someone you love gets sick? How can you rejoice when your child isn't well, right? How can you rejoice always? What what was Paul smoking back then, right? Like we think that, like how could he say something like that? But it's really the three words in the middle that change everything. Paul didn't say rejoice in your circumstances always. 
He said, rejoice in the Lord always, not in your circumstances. Rejoice in God. And when you remember who he is and what he's done for you, you can always rejoice. Paul goes on. He says, I will say it again. He knew he needed to say it twice. Come on, right? I need to hear it again. I rejoice always. Oh, yeah, okay, Paul. No, I will say this again. You need to rejoice. And the best way to understand this in the original text is to substitute uh, that term there with maybe something that would make more sense today. Rejoice in, in the bonus you got. Rejoice in your engagement. Rejoice in graduation, in the scholarship. And, and when you do that, think about the emotion that sweeps over you when something like that happens. How about this, Buckeye fans? It's when the Buckeyes win the national championship. Come on, somebody. You should stand up in your living room right now and shout me down for that one, right? The Buckeyes winning that He says, this word in the Greek, that's what it means. That this is the feeling that Paul is trying to evoke from you. He says, you should have this feeling of, of Ryan Day and Justin Fields lifting the trophy. He says, that's the kind of joy that we should have always in the Lord. And you go, well, that stands in stark contrast to my current circumstances. How do I have that? It stands in contrast to the circumstances that Paul was in as well. And I think what he's saying here is that you have to reflect on God's goodness and mercy in your life until your emotions catch up with that reality. Because the reality today, friend, is that God is still on the throne. The reality today is that God is for you and not against you. The reality today is that God is still in control and moving and working and, and, and accomplishing his purpose in your life. That he is with you in this moment. And Paul says, when I remember that, when I'm in prison and I remember that God is with me, that he's for me, that he's moving, that he's working, not only can I get to peace, which I'm going to get to in a second, he says, I can have joy. I can rejoice in that, that God is who he says he is, that he will do what he says he will do. So he says, you got to reflect on that goodness. You got to think about that mercy until your emotions catch up with the reality of that truth. See, you have to detach yourself from your emotions, from your surroundings, from your circumstances, and bend them in the direction of God's mercy and his grace in your life. He goes on in verse six, he says, so don't be anxious about anything. He says, I say rejoice. I say it again, rejoice in the Lord, and don't be anxious about anything. Here in the Greek, it means to be troubled or distracted, to, to focus on the uncertainty of the future. He says, don't do that. Don't get anxious. Right, right now, that's the, the hardest thing we have. I said last week is it's the uncertainty that's so troubling. It's what does the future look like? We don't even know what it looks like. And so Paul says, you got to get your mind off of that. Don't be anxious. Don't do that. He says, but in every situation, we are to channel all that energy that we have. The thought, the, the time that we spend on thinking about the what ifs and the uncertainty. He says, channel all of that. When, when, you're, when you're laying awake in your bed at night, when you're on your way home in the car and it's just you, and, and when you begin to think about your family, all that uncertainty, he says, channel all of that energy, all of that thought, channel it right here. He says, in every situation, channel all of it by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving. 
Present your request to God. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. Prayer, petition, praise. He says, channel that. Don't worry. Don't get anxious. Channel all of that energy into prayer and petition. I think the reason he loads up here, and he doesn't just say pray, right? Because we do pray. You've been praying. We've all been praying about the situation. We've all been praying about what's going on. We pray about these needs. And if Paul just would have said, hey, just pray about it. You go, I am praying about it and it isn't working. It's not changing. I don't, I'm not experiencing. So he loads up and he says, not just prayer, but, but with petition, with, with thanksgiving, when you channel all of that, he says, it's not just help God, you know, like, hey, help me. I need this. I need that. He says, no. He says, when you do this, it, it literally means in the Greek, he says, to reveal your request to God. And he says, this word is, is kind of like revealing a mystery to God and to yourself, to something that was previously unknown. He says, this isn't about informing God. We all know that God knows what we need. He says, this is about discovering for yourself what you really fear and what you are really after, the desire of your heart. He says, what you do is you dig deep enough to reveal that to God. It's not just what's on the surface. He says, it's what's beneath it is what he's trying to get after. And it's when we get there, it's the deepest desire of your heart. And when you begin to sense what that is, he says, you got to talk to God about that. That's what you got to hand over to God. You see, uncertainty does that. It surfaces our deepest insecurities, our, our hidden values. And, and when we can move past God, just help me find a job or help me get this house or help me close the deal and help this work out. When we get behind all of those things, and, and I would say they're legitimate requests, he says, but when you get to the, the base of it, Paul is saying it's really security that we're after. It's my concern for my family. It's, it's my concern for, for my job. It's my need to feel important. It's my need to be viewed a certain way by my peers. It's, it's my fear that, that God doesn't know or, or maybe he doesn't really care. He says it's the uncertainty elicits that fear and fear when it's explored. When we explore it the way Paul is challenging us to do, it reveals our deepest desires, what we really want. And when we are able to discover and give to God those deep, otherwise unknown desires, he says something happens as, a, as, a, as an individual, as a couple, as a family on your knees, discovering to, together what is God really after here? What are we really after? And parents, I just want to challenge you for a moment. This is an opportunity for you to to teach your children how to respond to uncertainty because they're going to face it again. Maybe not on this level, but they're going to face it in their life and you can model and be an example to them of how they can navigate these uncertain times. Involve them in the process. Pray with them. Read scripture with them. Declare God's truth over their lives as well. And Paul says, when you do that, when you pray like that, prayer, petition, thanksgiving, when you dig deep and allow God to get beneath the surface, and, and when those things begin to rise up to the, the top, he says, when you do that, God will do this. He says, when you pray like that, God will do this. Verse 7, and the peace of God, not the peace of circumstances, not the peace that, that things are changing in our world and that everything's going to be all right. No, 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 not that kind of peace. That's circumstantial. That's conditional. He's like, not that kind of peace. 
He says, the peace of God, he says, which transcends understanding. It's the peace that you get that when all hell is breaking loose around you, there's still peace. And people from the outside go, how can you remain peaceful in this situation? Because you go, because it's not on my condition. It's not based on circumstances. This is the peace of God that is within me. This is the peace of the Holy Spirit. He says, when you pray like that, this is what you get from God. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, that doesn't make any sense because nothing's changed. The circumstances are still the same. It's that peace that he gives you that allows you to remain peaceful, to avoid panic. And he says, that peace, what will it do? It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Literally, it means it will stand guard over your heart. It will protect you from the panic. It will allow you to keep the uncertainty from controlling your emotions in your mind. And this peace, friend, is still available to us today. I didn't just learn this from the Bible. I've learned it from friends. I've learned it from people in my own life who who literally are going through some of the most challenging situations in my life, and yet I still see I still see them have peace. And then in my own life, I've been in situations and circumstances when I had peace and it didn't even make sense. It was the peace of God which transcended even my own understanding and those around me. And it guarded my heart. It guarded my mind. And it allowed me to to, to navigate and to go through a situation knowing that God was with me, that he was moving in my life. You see, this, this peace comes Paul says, when we pray, and you go, I'm praying, and I want to tell you today, the main point I said at the beginning, you got to keep praying until the peace comes. you got to keep praying. Not until the situation changes, I stay on my knees, and I pray until the peace comes. Not until circumstances change. You see, prayer isn't about changing our circumstances. It's about changing me. Because sometimes God intervenes in our circumstances. We find jobs, we get well, our economy opens back up, things take back off, things work out. She comes back, he comes back, right? Sometimes it does, but, but no matter what, all the time, no matter what happens in our circumstances, God is there to offer peace if we come to him open-handed with the secrets of our heart being revealed to us and revealed to him if we pray until the peace comes. We get peace. And this isn't instead of working hard or doing your part. We talked about that last week. This is instead of allowing your anxiety to get the best of you. This is about placing into God's hands what only God's hands are capable of handling. When you can't handle it, you got to hand it over. And when we do that, Paul says, God offers peace. And we keep praying in this season, until the peace comes. You go, well, how do, you, how do I pray? I would say maybe start like this. Heavenly Father, I need, what is it? Fill in the blank for you. What do you need right now? Heavenly Father, I need this. And Heavenly Father, I'm afraid that if I don't, what are you afraid of? I need this, what are you afraid of? Take that to God prayer and petition, bring that to God. And there, in your fear, is the request that you must make known to yourself and then hand over to your heavenly Father. When life is uncertain, 
God is not. Paul closes out this chapter in verses 8 and 9. He says this, so finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think on those things. Got to get your mind right, right? But then he says this, and Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Paul said. Remember the context I gave you for which Paul was in. He says, put that into practice. And he says, when you do that, in the peace, in the God of peace, I love this. It's not just the peace of God. He says, and the God of peace will be with you as he's been with me, Paul says. The God of peace will be with you. Friend, today, the God of peace wants to be with you. And today, if you, you're watching and you haven't received Christ into your life and the Holy Spirit into your life, uh, I, would, I wouldn't wait any longer. Without him, I would be in a panic mode right now. Without the peace of God, I would be living off the edge somewhere. I wouldn't be able to do it. But because of God who's in me, who's for me, because I can rest in that peace, I know that I'm going to get through this. I know that my kids are going to get through this. I know our church is going to get through this. And today, God wants to offer you that peace. And it's a simple prayer, the Bible says, of confession, of putting your faith and trust in God. And when you do, the Holy Spirit will enter your heart, enter your life, and bring not only forgiveness and the promise of eternity, but the promise of life to the full here and now. And so if you're watching, wherever you're watching from, whatever you're watching, if you're sensing right now just the Holy Spirit calling you, if you will confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God. It says that he will be faithful to forgive you. So if that's you right now, I just want you to pray this simple prayer with me and say this. Say, Heavenly Father, today I invite you in. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died for me so I can live for you. I surrender all that I am to you and your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you said that prayer, the Bible says you are saved. You are on your way to heaven and the, the Jesus has entered your life. We want to help you take your next steps. So I'd encourage you to, to connect with us and make sure you, uh, you text connect to, to that number or go to our website, hit next steps, whatever you need to do to reach out to us. We want to help you discover what's next in your relationship with Christ. And for the rest of us watching today, I know it's tough, right? I know this pandemic has created panic all throughout our world, but I believe that the peace of God wants to speak to you today. I believe that he wants to invade your space right now, wherever it is in your heart, in your life and bring the peace. So with prayer and petition and with praise today, we're gonna sing a song together and just invite this God of peace to be with you. Heavenly Father, we give you these next few moments. We pray for your peace to come, to quiet hearts and to still our minds to guard us with your peace today, that we wouldn't be uncertain, that we wouldn't live a life of panic and fear and anxiety, but that we would rest and be still in you. In Jesus' name.